This podcast was produced by Morley Radio. Welcome to Artcast, a new podcast presented by Matt G, artist and subject leader for fine art at Morley College. The decision to do this podcast was inspired by photographs taken from the polio outbreak in the 1940s, where students were remotely taught by radio. This podcast will be a series of informal discussions of artists about their work, lifestyle, and how they have adapted during the current crisis that we are in. The aim is to disseminate material for students by limiting screen time and providing a feed of information for when they are taking a break from the screen. My third guest is Anne Ryan, who will be talking to our fine art students at Morley and recently had a solo show last year at Hastings Contemporary. To quote from Hastings Contemporary, for earthly delights, Ryan created a new installation occupying the entirety of Hastings Contemporary main ground floor gallery space, taking inspiration from Hieronymus Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights. Ryan has curated a pleasure garden of work assembled from throughout her career that will invite visitors to wander around and get lost in her work. Ryan is renowned for her cutouts, vibrant three-dimensional paintings made from card, collage, canvas, ceramic and metal. Many of her cutouts focus on the physicality of the human form, often depicting groups of figures dancing, posing, swimming, frolicking in the woods, even cutting loose in a mosh pit and are inspired as much by scenes found in nightclubs and cinema as by classical painting and sculpture. Anne, how are you doing? Welcome. What have you been up to today? Grand, grand. Thank you very much for asking me. But um, today I've just come back from the studio to do this. So I've just legged it around here because my internet there is not very good. So it's kind of nice sometimes to keep things separate as well. So I have a load of paintings in front of my eyes at the moment. I'm just like, doom, 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 painting. <laughs> yeah. Is your studio quite near to where you're living then? Um, today it is because I was using somebody's, I was using a different room to work in. But generally I have a long walk to the studio actually. So I've been walking a lot through lockdown studio, um, which I love anyway. It's just nice because you can work out loads of problems on the road or realize you have loads of problems one or the other <laughs> but it's very meditative anyway just like walking but yeah so that's good the weather's getting better which is, which is always nice yeah yeah do you listen to any sort of music when you're working to get in the zone or funny enough i don't when i'm, I'm at the moment i am actually in the zone which is good because for weeks as i'm about i'm getting ready to do a show in july July, yeah, it's been agreed, and hopefully the date sounds good, so that should all happen. And um, so I'm in the zone now, but that I haven't been in the zone up to two weeks ago. It was like, what the hell is going on? I didn't have a clue. It was just chaos in the studio in my head. And then there's something clicks, then something clicks and falls into place. And I think once it clicks, I don't really listen to anything. I'm just kind of, I suppose, listening to what's happening in the studio in a way. Saying that, so I know one of your things is about music. I do listen to a lot of music, but what I really miss in lockdown is gigs because I love to go to a gig. So, and that's where I really, you know, just get my music. And at the end of the evening in the studio, I love to rock out and just like <laughs> fingers crossed on the twenty first of June. I think it is. Yeah, twenty first of June. Hopefully, we'll have gigs back then. 
oh, I can't even imagine it. I can't imagine it. It was so weird. I feel so bad for musicians, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, they just need to get out and they need to, you know, do things. So, you know, I've been trying to buy and just promote things and just, yeah, just listen to music as much as you can. But it's tough for them. It's so tough, yeah? We're used to having an audience. You know, us artists, we like to be on our own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your work's extremely colourful. And I was wondering if you had a particular favourite colour at the moment. I know it's a tough question for... No, it isn't tough at all. Do you know something? I heard you ask that question and I just go green instantly and green I think of course because I'm Irish no (laughs) kind of sometimes but I think green for me is one of those colors I think my mother was one of those people had very little cash but it was always trying to improve things for us and it's like she had a job lot of green paint just like someone was Get it, come, it was coming off the back of the lorry or something. I don't know. But everywhere was green. <laughs> and, and my auntie's house as well. So I just grew up in a very, a small but quite cheerful house, you know, that was green. And I think for me, it's always just one of those good colours. It's always spring as well, isn't it? It just reminds you of spring and things. But, you know, it would say that my mother one time, there's a photograph of us at home. And I think, yeah, like my, my, my work is very colourful at the moment. But I grew up like that. Like I say, she'd find paint. And our living room is a photograph of all the kids, which is a lot of us. And we've all big mouths, big smiles. And she's had orange glass on the walls, blue glass on the ceilings, and green glass on the, on the doors. And it's just like, ah. <laughs> So, yeah. So I'd go with green for sure. But if you keep talking, you're going to change it to red. And if you keep going, I keep changing. <laughs> I think I agree. On the subject of your um, upbringing, so you, can you talk to us a bit about your experience of art school? I know that you, you studied at Limerick, is that right? Yeah. Limerick, yeah. Limerick School of Art, yeah. yeah. I'm very proud of being Limerick woman. You know, I'm a Limerick City woman and I went to Limerick Art College, you know. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones, the period I went to college. They were really, you know, working class kids coming through. Um, like the 70s, free education, so bright kids. We suddenly could this materialize and go to college and stuff. Really, really lucky. It doesn't exist now. It's so sad. And um, But Limerick was fantastic. I'm sure you've heard, might have heard me talk before. But even when I went to fine art, I didn't know what fine art was. I love to draw and paint. What the hell is fine art? <laughs> and my first year was really a making year. And uh, with these amazing sculptor, a sculptor, a Welsh sculptor, an English, um, oh no, Welsh painter, English sculptor, and Irish students. Sounds like a bad joke coming up. <laughs> and we were all just thrown in there. And so it was a really making thing, a making year and trying things out and materials. And I just went at it in a way like I go at a lot of things um, with, like, with with joy, with exuberance and with, with curiosity. I was just, I couldn't believe this thing. It's just like sitting and making things in your head and making things you see, remember. And uh, it was, it was, um, it, it was a great year. And then I went into painting more then, but um, it really set me up so, so fantastic. But I teach in Limerick. I was teaching there last week online and, um, they're fantastic students because um, it's the thing in Ireland because um, they're so well-traveled. Like if you talk to a London student, they won't have gone to, you know, wherever, Soho to see a show or wherever there's a show. They, they, you have to push them to go see a show. But because Limerick is on the west coast of Ireland, 
I mean, these kids just get on a plane when they could do. And they're like Germany, they'll have seen every show in Dusseldorf, in Berlin, in Brussels. They just travel and see these things and they'll they'll know more what's going on in London than you do yourself. Which I really like that. It's that whole, you know, um, an eye to Europe and to America or wherever, but they they really have an eye on what's going on, which is, it's it's so, yeah, it's fantastic, you know? Yeah. And um, is that the foundation course or the degree? Degree, degree, yeah. I mean, funny. I mean, I teach foundation at Camberwell, but mostly my teaching is um, BA and MA. But I, I, I visit. But I love my foundation. There's something about teaching on foundation that's just yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, I always say to them, "You're not getting it yet, but you wait." I'm I'm waiting to hear that penny drop, and you we're so privileged. You do hear that penny. There's a point after Christmas, pennies, 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 just dropping all over the place. They suddenly it's see something you're seeing, or you know they suddenly start understanding. You're not speaking a different language, and I I I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I teach on the foundation at Morley, and I was talking to Matthew Burrows on the show last week, and he. He thinks a foundation should almost be like a national service where it's a year whereby everyone gets a chance to play and explore their creativity just for one year and and not have creativity suppressed. And, and actually, because everyone is creative and everyone's human, so it, it's about finding that. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It changes totally how you look at the world and think about the world and allows you to be a little braver as well, I think. Just take some chances. I'm, I'm with Matthew, for sure. Yeah. Brilliant. Can you talk about how drawing plays a role in, our, in your practice? Because it's something that I think sometimes gets a bit left behind, I think, especially as we get more and more digital and um, especially at the moment. So, yeah, can you talk a bit about that? I've always loved drawing, right, since I was a kid. It was one of those things. I mean, as I said, there was quite a few of us kids, but my mother would just like loads of paper on a Saturday morning and just trap you behind the table or something, get you drawing, you know? And I always just remained drawing. And I think for me, because I speak quite quickly and I'm always, my, my ideas kind of come gushing sometimes. It's like uh, drawing is a way of slowing down, but also getting them out quickly. So it works in two contradictory ways. And um, it's a way for me sometimes to understand, you know, what I'm seeing in the world. Sometimes it's from me- memory, like some of the geek material. I might scribble. It's not like I'm sitting there drawing in the gig. I'm jumping around the place. I'm in the mosh pit, Yeah. But um, I will remember. It's a way of like taking notes and just remembering things. And then I do set of drawings at home or something. But it is the keystone for my um, practice, which I, I probably is for a lot of people. It's my thinking. And like when I'm, I'm in, at the moment, I'm in the middle of painting and making these 3D and there's paper mache now involved. And oh my God, there's cement and stuff involved. There's a lot more things involved. So in a sense, the drawing stops. But then I clear everything away and it's just moments of lucidity where I'll just start putting some ideas, drawing from the work I've made, drawing from some ideas that would be running through the work and things maybe I'd forgotten to bring in or something. But yeah, I mean, I I take in an awful lot of information. It's like someone said to me in Rome, it's like, why are the artists here? Like I, we, I was wondering, why are the artists here? Because there's all these academics who are fantastic at their subject and just know so much. And the artists just know a little about lots of things, but are really curious about it. And someone said to me, it's because they notice. And I thought, that is just so brilliant. 
we do. We kind of take on this information. We notice things, you know. And I, I think our way of work, working through our lives is we're we're always taking note, and it's always small things that you wouldn't even notice, and that's what we bring back to the work, I suppose. But drawing is yeah super important for me. Yeah. Excellent. And you're clearly a painter, but does it bother you if people ever identify you as a sculptor because of the nature of how your work sort of stands freestanding? And or, or does it not really matter to you? Or is it? It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I always, you know, I'm very pedantic anyway. I just say I'm a painter, you know. But I, as I said, I'm using cement and paper mache and lots of other materials now. So it's got, in a way, very sculptural. But um. But it is painting. I love painting. But it's but as I said, my first year was a making year, and I have always made. Even when I went into the painting department, I used clay to draw with drawing problems that might be happening in the paintings, and just even like I'm using my hands now here in the air. It's just like to me that's drawing, but it's making as well. Like you're you're putting one thing, two things together. It's great, and I love going to the studio of a morning and you've set a task. Like painting something can take over your whole head, your whole body. And like with making, sometimes you have tasks to do. And that's really good when you enter the studio. Right, I've got to put that bit of cement there or I've made casts and taking them apart or, you know, and it just straight away you're just getting. And I love the uh, building bricks, isn't it, into the studio, into the work. And I love that. I think that's fantastic. But it's, um, but it doesn't, I mean, you know, whatever they call me, I don't care. As long as they're looking, isn't that brilliant? You know, it's like, great. <laughs> they can call me, whatever. I don't really mind. And I'm always interested and also I've always even when I was making paintings I love talking to people that do different things about work so talking to a sculptor about painting is so important because they do, they see it totally different and um so it's you learn something else about your painting which I'm always interested in yeah but yeah I mean it's great I mean it's it's weird I've gone kind of full circle well, I'm kind of, this circle is kind of opening up in my life. It's like I'm going back to my first year in college, just making and doing things. That naivety as well, that's all, was always there and never kind of disappeared. But even more so, I kind of celebrated in a way. And um, and like right through to my MA show, I made, I made 3D paintings in my MA show. But no one talked to me about it. I don't know, did you, you, you might be younger than me, Matt, but it's like when I went to college, no tutors talked to you. Yeah, you well, you had to go and grab them, yeah. Yeah, you had to go and grab them, you know, I was like, so no one really talked to me about these 3D paintings. So I never knew what to do with them. I never knew what to make of them. So I left them behind, as we often do with ideas. You kind of leave them behind. And then just in the last few years, I've kind of gone back and picked up some ideas that were there, which is brilliant, isn't it? It's what happens in the art world. You're noodling in the studio, something you don't understand, and suddenly it comes, it just makes sense. You know, it's like something happens, you see it more clearly. So Yeah, definitely. And um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the show you had at Hastings Contemporary last year, because your installations are sort of sprawling and very vast. And I was wondering if you could talk, just to give a bit of insight to any students we've got listening about the logistics of putting together such a vast installation and how it was working with Hastings Contemporary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, working with Hastings was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. You know, then, you know, they came to the studio, they saw the work, and I never really have a clear plan. I just go at it, I go making and just allow it, allow it to come form through the work. Obviously, I have a picture of the gallery, I have things going on in my head, I've got drawings going on, but I never work to any kind of plan. It would be pointless to me. I have to follow the work. 
I have to see where the work's going to take me. And uh, with Hastings, that beautiful room is just so great. Um, I just kept making, and I had it in mind, just like one piece of work comes after another, and I'll make two or three. Uh, I, I, when I'm when I'm in gear, I will just keep making. I really wanted, I wanted the work to be generous. I wanted the show to be generous. I'd done a show before where they were on the ground. I really wanted to get them up so your face was in the work. You know, um, they were bigger. They were some of them were like a meter little over a meter high and they stood a meter high so you were really confronted with these paintings and then just i, I want to like like and also i like when i was putting it together it's like the the views through the holes were very important or as you go around the corner what what would you see and how things connect up so like you're leading people in i'm always really concerned what i really love yes i want the people who are interested in painting but there's some people who are interested in painting who are afraid to be interested in painting now, they may not come in, but the lovely thing was shown somewhere like Hastings. They have a lot of people that go through to the, the cafe and stuff. And you just, you kind of want to, to, it's not that I set it up to attract people in, but I want to engage people. I want things, and in a sense, maybe that's why I use figures are in it, because you see a bum, you see a leg sticking out there. Maybe you're a little curious, maybe you come in, and then hopefully the work kind of draws you in. So I wanted to have that kind of generosity of spirit as well. Um, but yeah, and, and then it just finally, it, it almost, you know, it sounds, I mean, I was making the work for a year. I'm trying to think now, about a year, a little over a year. And um, so it's, and it, it's slow to kind of read, kind of, you get a picture. By the time I came to hanging the show, about two weeks before the show, um, I had a very clear picture. Now, I didn't know it was going to work, but I had a clear picture of what I really wanted to happen. And we made the tables. They made the tables for me. And then we set up the tables. I had one table more, but I wanted a bit more space. And um, and then it just, it kind of just starts coming together. I mean, we just, we hung it more or less in a day we, without ever really having like a tied to plan, a really tight plan. We kind of got it really working. Um, I shuffled around. We were dancing around with these tables. I don't know if you saw these big meter tables without the tabletops. So I, I spent a lot more time moving the tables because I didn't want them like in a line. It had to be shuffled. So it was like a maze because you're going through this garden. It was like a maze wandering through the garden. So you couldn't get out that easy. Once I got you in there, you were trapped. You had to look. <laughs> and this was my thinking. And, um, and yeah, and it just worked out, you know. I think for anyone listening, it's like never be afraid. Don't you don't have to plan, and if you do, you don't have to stick to things. I mean, my experience of working with art galleries are so great to kind of work with changing ideas as well. They'll just give them the space, explain. You know, I think it's fantastic. You know. And what about how? Because it's there's so kind of I don't know, I guess quite crowded spaces. Do people ever interact with the work or knock the work over, or to, yeah, how, how do you feel about that? You know, I love it. I I yeah. love it. like the, the the people there, and they were like um that were oh what you call invigilating and stuff. You know, they are the regular people that do it. A mixed bunch from Hastings they were brilliant, and you know, and they, you have to do a talk with them, and you know, I mean, they got really into it, and I, you know, I I obviously don't want people going lifting up your work, but you do want. I want that engagement. I want them leaning down. I want them on the floor. I want them just like really. Um, like a kid running in under the table. I don't care. It's just like the, the spaces need to be more animated, don't they, in some way or another. And um, and my the, the way these 3D workouts, uh, cutouts have gone, it's like when I made them in Rome first, they were small. And then I did this little salon, it's an um, evening. 
and I had working pieces on the ground and people came in, people I didn't know and friends. It was a really nice thing to do, which is something students should think about. Is um, And so it was just casual evening, come in, see the work in progress and see the finished work from Rome. And I had this image and I, I actually, I didn't take photographs. I never, I rarely take photographs, but it's like, and I, I did some drawings afterwards and, and there was people hunkered down and looking at this and underneath something and just engaged and just how, and, and then the scale thing was just so interesting. You're left with these big figures and the, I had these dead figures and birds and crows and whatever, you know, I don't know what I had lying out and there was these people in the middle of it and, and it, it was, it was great, you know. Um, so I do, you know, you don't want people like throwing it about, obviously, because in actual fact, how, you know, how they were placed was really important because as I say, you're looking at one, but then something else catches you. So they were aligned so you could actually interact with other pieces. Yeah, and it, you drew a lot of inspiration from Hieronymus Bosch's uh, Garden of Earthly Delights. Yeah, well. I mean, you know, that title didn't come to later, you know, because I was making it. But then I, someone said to me, it was like, uh, I made one of them and it was like um, a triumph of pen and it was like... Um, uh, like a Mantegna or something. And then I was thinking about the Garden of Earthly Delights, which is amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. And I thought, yeah, and it's just all these characters just, you know, all going over the top and, you know, this uh, festival of death and life, you know, happening. Um, I just thought, and it's it's also because I was, I was painting a lot of musicians at the time as well. And it's been used in different um band covers and stuff like that i just thought yeah it's perfect you know it's really a bit of glam rock almost you know <laughs> great i thought about her on the precious glam rock yeah a bit of sweet slade <laughs> yeah and then and then you created the exhibition upstairs and i was wondering if you could tell us a bit about your experiences curating and any advice that you give i guess to artists dabbling in curating i say I say dabbling i think it's there's a sort of sometimes the, the art world maybe questions artists that it curates but obviously i mean i've created myself and i don't know a lot of artists that have done the same i think really it's the curators that are just worried that we're going to steal their jobs but i think um yeah if you could talk a bit about your sort of experience with curating and um because yeah i think that's a really exciting art form in itself as well absolutely you know i loved that i absolutely loved doing that leading up to it i had done a show in margate because we had a flat in margate and um, during Margit now, when the Turner Prize was down here, and all we did was we asked, I say we, it was a, a friend of mine, Andrew Child, another painter, and we basically, um, we asked artists we knew, uh, it was called How Small I Thought. So we asked them for something in the studio that was important, but they didn't, it was, it hung around for ages, but it was never incorporated into any work but it was just so and of course everyone knows you know you're nodding because you know exactly you've got loads of stuff like that and I thought how great rather than just presenting work what hangs around but it could be a painting that you don't know what to do with it and it's maybe an oddity within what you're doing and it was just such great fun for us it was in the flat I think it was 60 pieces of work in it it was just amazing we had such work and um it was the first thing we ever did I ever did and um and you just realize at this stage of your life, I know so many good artists working that also maybe don't get work out a lot. You know, they're they're in the studio, but their jobs have taken over, family have taken over, and I'm privileged to see the work because I'm in the studios near them or something. And it was the first, and we had we we had 
such like um so many people came up to see so many conversations i thought this is something we got to start and keep doing now what do we call it curating we're all frightened of the word curating but it's a uh, but yeah, but, but it was just brilliant. And to live with the work was really good. I learned an awful lot from it. So then Hastings asked me, would I do something upstairs? Well, I nearly bit their arm off because I thought, oh my God, because <laughs> I'd seen some great work after doing this. And I thought, yeah, I really want to get. And it was also extending my idea of painting. So a lot of it was like people painting, but making these cardboard, cardboard cutouts like almost clay pots kind of thing, someone making ceramics, someone making, um, um, and a brass was making these kind of, almost like props for films or something. Someone else was sewing, but for me it was all about painting and, and just the idea of painting and ways into painting. And um, so I, I knew these people and I approached them and um, they all said yes. I didn't know how they were going to go together because some of the sewing was very small, like bows, and almost like uh, undergarments or something like that. Really kind of, oh, really beautiful, simple, kind of revealing things. And then the ceramics was just quite rough. Um, yeah, and it was just, yeah, I mean, you know, again, we because I, I hung my show fairly quickly, I could then spend time with that. But in the meantime, often when you're spending time with something, you're thinking about something else. So I got, I got a nice clear picture of what was going on downstairs in my own show. And then I thought, well, you know, these are all the things I really like about painting. These are, there were a mixture of ages as well, which was really nice. People out of college, just out of college, a few years out of college. So people I would have taught. And uh, because I'm in teaching years, people I would have taught many years ago. <laughs> so, and all practice and all make and stuff. And then just people maybe that hadn't shown in a while. So it was really good. So the show was just, um, yeah, it was great. So I hung what I thought would work. And then Hastings had a little input, uh, which is nice sometimes because even though you fight about that, it's nice to hear what someone's thinking because you're so close. You know, it was really good. But, yeah, I loved that show upstairs. I really did. Yeah, I called it the Studio 4AM because it's those. It's not literally the Studio 4AM, but it's from that Giacometti uh, piece. But it's like that moment like of um, thought when things come together. And, and it's like a serene moment. You know, 4 o'clock in the morning is like... Um, time people die often if they're in hospitals like low time everything is like very very low or and but crisp as well so it's really good way time for thinking and, and being clear so yeah it was great it was really good to do so gives you those ideas when you're generous with other painters it gives you loads of other ideas for paintings yourself so i really want to i mean as i go on because it's taken me a long time in my career to working and showing continuously and now there is a lot of interest which is brilliant you want to be generous because we know how tough that world is you know you want to get things out i mean uh you you want to and, and the thing is i mean the ocs is this band and john dwyer goes on stage and he says basically he always has brilliant support so you always get there early to see his support because he says he puts on the best support he can because then he has to be better so i told everyone in studio at 4 a.m you've got to give me the best work and now i've got to do even better <laughs> so I, I love that idea isn't it you just always have to just keep you know yeah definitely i know being tough on yourself and expecting more from yourself i think it's important you know mm -hmm. and what would you say your greatest achievement is in your career if you were to pick one 
You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, that is a tough one. But what I will say is, and I've kind of touched on it as we were talking, I, I think for me, my greatest achievement is that I'm still painting and making and very, very involved because it's very tough for a woman and a working class woman at that within the art world. And I'm very aware as, as, as it goes on, how the art world has changed, you know, um, it, there's less people like me coming through, that's for sure, you know. And um, and so, yeah, I think that's my greatest achievement, that I'm still just working away. And what advice would you give to students of 2021 in terms of, let's say, the resilience you've used over your career or the de- general determination? Have you got any particular advice you'd give them? I would say just keep, you have to keep at it, you have to keep making. But also, life takes over and don't be afraid of life taking over, whether it be a baby or a job or whatever it is. It does take over. It doesn't mean that the art is over because you know, Matt, I know the amount of people that want to come back later on because it never goes. That need to make is always with you. So you, you, because you have a year or two where you're not doing anything or even more, that's meaningless. The bigger picture, it, it comes back. And as I said about drawing, sometimes it's not about, you know, it's noticing things. It's just even having a notebook, writing things down, you know, Things come back to you. Just stick at it, you know. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say, even if you've got a full time job, you will have holidays where you can make stuff or weekends or. And just one thing, Matt, I will say is it's, it's also because like I've talked to people, especially women coming back, trying to get back into the studio after having babies, family, and stuff. It, but it, it, don't go into the studio to make a painting. Go into the studio to read a book, and you might make a painting. You give your if you put that pressure on yourself to go in to do something. You're done for. Okay. Go in and read a book and listen to a song away from the family, you know, and then something might happen. Yeah, exactly. And always have a journal nearby. Like, so if you're even sitting by a river or in the shower or anywhere, really, and those ideas come because you can't, you can't force those ideas, no, can you? No, absolutely no. not. That was Anne Ryan. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for further episodes. College, we offer a variety of photography courses ranging from one-year intensives to shorter ones. Our courses are taught by industry professionals in friendly, well-resourced classroom and studio environments. We are London's largest provider of courses for adults who come to study for fun, to develop new skills for professional development or to apply for higher education. We offer great progression opportunities through level one to four. Our courses run daytimes, evenings and weekends all year long. Come and join us. To learn more, go to morleycollege.ac.uk and select Visual Arts under the Courses tab.